Hello and welcome to episode 379 of the Filmmakers Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk filmmaking. Oh, good <laughs> From indie film to studio films to the high end TV, TV and, and everything, everything in between. Uh, how to get them made, how to make them, how to try not to royally F them up. In a very, very humble opinion. I'm Jos Alderson. I'm Dom Lenoir. Welcome to this week's episode. Hope you're doing well. Hope you are well. Because we have another special guest for you. Oh, yeah. We have Mahalia Bello. She is the director of The End We Start From, the Jodie Comer, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, Joel Fry starring movie, which is out in cinemas now. And Dom got to sit down with Mahalia and have a great chat. Certainly did. What did you talk about? What did you talk about so exciting talked about all kinds of stuff um great it was hopefully filmmaking yes yes yeah it, it was quite Good. a um, surreal experience actually because um obviously i was there yeah. to speak to mahalia um mm-hmm. it's one of these big sort of hotel setups uh Corinthia, i think it was um massive yes. sort of press operation and i was just thinking on the way i'll oh, be quite nice to speak to jody i wish i'd asked for a, an interview i couldn't, couldn't remember if i had or, or not but obviously the directors are you had. directors are great mm-hmm. uh, a great gig and um, nice. yep so um you know i asked okay cool can i can i get set up in the room because you know it's nice to get your recording equipment and it always takes longer than you think and you're always like fumbling for the the bloody recording always. equipment as, as the guest comes always. in so i was like okay well, i'll get in I'll, I'll go and get set up i'll just go in and, and get myself nice and nice and relaxed and um mm. you know make a nice start to, to the interview i walk into this room and it's like this full-blown you know, like battle scene of of makeup uh teams and like makeup boards everywhere like different desks people standing around and bustling and I'm sort of walking like a startled deer <laughs> and right in the middle of it is Jodie Comer and uh, being incredibly British uh, and taken off guard I think I think all I managed to say was like oh shit sorry <laughs> Did you, so you basically walked into the wrong room no no it was the right room but I just didn't didn't realise oh. that, that the, the room I was going to be interviewing the director in was in the middle of Jodie Comer getting ready for her TV interview in the other room right so I, I you know I start sitting down like oh fuck now I'm, I'm setting up and you know she's trying to get ready for her, for her interview well wait so wait so she's there yeah while you're setting up yeah yeah she's just she's just there having a makeup oh, <laughs> makeup finishing. i thought you so, got out the room and said oh wrong room and waited outside or something no 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 because no, no, I, I was i was i was invited in so there, there was nothing wrong it was just the fact that i completely wasn't expecting to just walk in and you know jodie comer's there Brilliant. so and um, what did you do did you have a chat with her we what you know you chat about the weather the film well you know i, I sat down and I just sort of suddenly like you know it all happens quite quickly and then, and then i was like um <laughs> she she was obviously being taken out so i was like oh jody um well, well done in the film and and you know both times you know she, she sort of turned around and, and said hello and you know had a, had a, a friendly sort of whatever powwow it was just like a, a huge air of just friendliness and welcoming and like you know, there, there was no like barrier that you sometimes get in the, in these kind of situations. Um, That's nice. Were you a little starstruck, Dom? I was a little bit say? starstruck. I, I wasn't. Yeah. I wasn't prepared for it. I was. Yeah. I was kind of getting ready for a director interview, and, and <laughs> suddenly you meet superstar. Suddenly you meet Jody superstar Comer. Jody, Jody yeah. Comer. Yeah. Um, and she is, and she's amazing in this film. The end we start from. She is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. 
she holds the screen. She's yeah. wonderful. She holds a baby for most of it. Yeah. Um, and oh, she's, that was a good one. <laughs> thanks. And she's just really just encapsulates the screen. Yes, uh, she does. She really yeah. does, and it's amazing. It, it's a it's a brilliant brilliant performance. Uh, and Joel Fry yes. is also. I mean, they're they're all amazing. Mark Strong's incredible. Uh, Joel Fry is, is is a really underrated actor. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great supports as well. It's just a great, greatly acted, very empathy-filled film. It is produced uh, by Liza Marshall, who has been on this podcast. We will yes. put a link to an episode with her. It's well also done, produced Liza. by Adam Ackland. Uh, very much so. Uh, Leah Clark and Sophie Hunter, as well as Amy Jackson and Liza Marshall. Cinematographer is Susie Lavelle. Mm. Um, she's done an amazing job here. She she did Normal People, um, His Dark Materials as well. She's wonderful. And it was composed by Anna Meredith, mm. who is just great. But this is based on the book um, by Megan Hunter, and Alice Birch has done the screenplay. Yeah, previous guest from our, our classic uh, The Wonder episode. From last year yes indeed we might put a link to that as well and it was cast by Shaheen Baig who is just on everyone's lips this last couple of years who cast Lady Macbeth Black Mirror After Love she's just the next big casting director superstar mm. um, so what did you and Mahalia talk about Dom what, what will our audience learn from this uh, we talked about why cinema is a healing machine which is a, such a great concept and I really really liked her um, yeah, I couldn't agree more uh, on that sort of idea. Uh, we talked about screening at Toronto and the feeling of releasing a movie to that audience. Uh, we talked about yep. adapting a novel and working with the screenwriter and that collaboration. Yeah, interesting. I've already edited this episode and I, I actually really enjoyed like listening to the two of you. I do feel you did exceptionally well no, with your you. questions, Dom. I thought it was... Oh excellent i really enjoyed the chat i thought mahali was fantastic it was really insightful and honest mm. and open yep. which i think will help our filmmakers out there i i liked what she was talking about as trying to keep the emotional truth mm. in the film she also talked about um writing letters to cast and she couldn't remember if she'd written a letter to jody or not but she feels she had but if she had she was unsure of whether they actually read them or not, how mm. much of a difference it makes. Yeah. And you've yeah. got a really good response to that, but we'll save that for the episode. Um, just, you also talked about the push and pull between cast and financial, how that affects you trying to get a film made, yeah. working with babies, working with cinematographer Susie, what it was like to flood a set. Um, and then even after her success, because she was nominated at Sundance for a short film volume, um, there are still difficulties for filmmakers. It's not an instant success story if you have success with a short mm. or with a feature. Yep. Um, she also won a Biffa for uh, that short as well. And some of her other credits, Mahalia's credits, include a couple of short films, uh, including Southwesterly, Stray and Volume, as I've mentioned, Volume, as well as Advent. Uh, and that was kind of, you know, an eight to ten year hiatus before she made a uh, feature debut as a director yeah. of The End We Start From. But she also made the TV movie as a director, Ellen, which starred Joe Cole, as well as doing TV miniseries. She directed six episodes of Requiem and three episodes of The Long Song. Mm. So that is for you. That is coming up for you in that episode with Dom and Mahalia Bello very yeah. soon. Next Tuesday, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to have, very likely, Matthew Vaughan. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I just dropped that in like it was nothing. We have Matthew Vaughan, ladies and gentlemen, on the podcast, if all goes well. <laughs> we haven't recorded it yet. 
So Fingers hopefully off. me and Dom are sitting down with Matthew uh, this coming week. He's known for kick-ass, um, X-Men First Class, Kingsman, Lair Cake. He's just a bit of a legend. He runs Mar Films and he's here to talk about... Filmmaking? Argyle. And, and <laughs> filmmaking. I imagine, we hope. He might not. He might just talk about green suits. Yeah. I've no idea. Bas- that, basically, that's what... Um, that's what Giles likes to talk about. It is, but that's also what they wear in Argyle. So that's my connection to it. Um, so that's next Tuesday. But also, we have a giveaway for you, don't we, Don? Yeah. Sometimes you just have to take a shot with these things. Yes. And you have to list those things down, which gives us Shot Lister. 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 Uh, now, Shot Lister, you've probably heard us talk about in the past. Basically, Shot Lister is the world's leading shot list app. Phil Hawkins swears by this. He's just... He swears a lot. ...locked picture <laughs> on Robin and the Hood. So huge congratulations to him. Mm-hmm. Well done, Phil. But Shotlister is the app he uses um, all the time. It's a Shotlister app and it with detailed shooting schedule features. It helps you get what, what matters most on the day. And if you use this code on any iOS device, you get a free year of Shotlister Pro... 5.0. It's usually worth $99 Ooh. and we're giving you it for free. We're only giving away 99 of these. So get in quick, get in wow. there now. Link to that is in the show notes. What a generous Literally, what are, are you eh? doing? Listen to this now. Go on that um, the show notes now and literally click the link. It is free for a year for you as filmmakers to help you this is what we do. Um, link to that and also how to use it. We'll do a YouTube app as well is in the show notes. But for more info, go to shotlister.com. Mm. So huge shouts out to Zach Leposky, who runs it, along with Sharon Bliss, for giving you this amazing thing. Shotlister, get it for free right now. Whoa. Right. Well, you know, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty good little episode ahead. You know, I'd like to... Big yourself up. No, I don't want to big myself up. No, I just want to say oh, it's, it's it's really nice. Uh, I always, regardless of you know whether I like the film and I'm promoting it, I always like to promote great people and Mahalia, uh, you know, and Jody as well, and the whole team. You can just you just get a sense of like really genuine people um, making mm. genuine films. So let's wish them success. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one that should be watched. It, it's it's like. definitely a film that you should watch this award season. There we go. There we go. I know it was um, one of Dom's favourite films. Yes, uh, will, yeah. And I loved it too. I think it's fantastic. Mm. So here it is. This is Dom and Mahalia Bello talking all about the end we start from and filmmaking in general and so many tips and tricks for you, filmmakers. So enjoy. Do you want to go and have some dinner? Well, I don't know you. I don't know you either. Could be a disaster. It isn't real anymore. Hi. What you miss doesn't exist. What's going on? I'm just, just like having a moment, you know. So, welcome to the, the Filmmakers Podcast. Hi. Um, big congratulations on the film. Thank you. Uh, I think I think every award season there's one film that really blows me away that I think isn't getting enough credit and I think this is the film like Thank I watched you. it and I just thought what an incredible emotional journey what brilliant brave complex you know, performances 
and also like what one accurate depiction of what could happen like, mm. there, there was a real like dreadful feeling of of the world could be this you know with the floods even in the last week or so yeah i think we kind of we, there was always the question of when is this and we sort of treated it as though it could happen tomorrow it mm. would not that it could happen but this is tomorrow we didn't set it in the future didn't set it in the past just tomorrow yeah let's keep it it's easier to work with that way but also there's a feeling that we wanted to make sure that it felt rooted in mm. something that tangible as opposed to being outside over there you know in the deep distance of future so how does it feel to have it out and getting people's reactions about it it's been good i mean it hasn't gone out to like audiences audiences yet. no like more the sort of critics festival of the world, yeah. yeah so I, i've had such a good time mm. i've been you know i've How been able Toronto? to it was amazing yeah I mean, I was so nervous. There's something, I mean, I've been wanting to make my first feature since I was a kid, I suppose. And and then realising, I think it hit me. It was a really big cinema as well. It was massive. It was mm. a huge audience. And kind of in the, in there's a kind of green room before you go up on the stage to present the film. And the... Um, I was introduced by Cameron Bailey, I think. And he said, like, it's Mahalia's first feature. And I burst out crying wow. before I walked on <laughs> just because it's something yeah. just sort of like Clicked. it just hit me it completely yeah caught me by surprise the realization that that journey had been so long to get that film made yeah. and then now it was about to kind of be opened out to people it, it's such a it is such an emotional journey to get films made especially I think if you make films that you know, if you make films from a place of wanting to tell powerful internal stories and things that, that personally trigger you, it's not just about like a career goal or yeah. something along those lines. It's actually the struggle of trying to, you know, validate these these things that you're you're putting out to the world, which you really believe in. Yeah, uh, that that too. I think yeah, that especially this one. This one did feel pretty close to me for a few different reasons. Mm. But I think also, you know, cinema is. M- like has been my happy place my special place for so long and and I think somewhere I go to to kind of heal to do so many different things to to help myself and then suddenly to realize that I was putting something on one of those screens it was it it really it felt monumental for me personally and then afterwards it was great because I would walk down streets in Toronto Toronto is an amazing city and then just people would come and talk to yeah. me and these like let you know women especially would come that's amazing yeah, yeah and it it felt like th- you know the f- those who connected with the film seemed to it really met them mm. and that and that felt like job done in many ways for because some people really really felt mm. it and i felt like okay that's what we aim to do i i always feel like that's the success of a film it's not mm. it's not whether it sort of ticks some boxes in terms of how clever it is or, or that kind of thing. It's whether it actually affects someone. And what you said about healing is, mm. is such a, like cinema, to, you know, I, th- I really do believe is, is a, a tool where someone can go in and they've got some struggle going on in their life and that film can just heal that little puzzle or, or part of themselves. Yeah. And, and I really feel like this has that, that element. Massive empathy it. machine. Empathy machine, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So um, so how did how did it sort of come about? How did this 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 film start? How did you, did you come up with the, the the book? Was it an adaptation? Yeah. So um, when the book was first published, or just before I got sent it, and it, it resonated with me, 
and it stuck with me for a long time and I actually gave it to people as presents it was one of those books where I was like this is looking at the world in a very different way mm. and I especially people who had babies but actually now is probably the maybe the wrong thing to do when people are pregnant to give them this book because of oh, uh, you know I don't know <laughs> but, I, coming, but I yeah. felt like it described that experience of being mm. a first-time parent yeah even without the flood which is in you know which is very much part of the book but but actually that 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 first year of having a baby is like the most life-changing experience that anyone can ever really have that's probably a gross exaggeration but well, but it is not, pretty no. life-changing yeah. i mean it's one of the big isn't it yeah and I, as a woman your body changes everything about you is you know shifts as a result of kind of carrying this child and then you've got this other year where you're you're sole kind of purpose is to raise and teach and bring up and see the world through this baby's eyes so I I, I really connected with it and it's so beautifully written it's this kind of morsels of poetry that kind of sang just sang kept like humming around and yeah. then I kind of left it I was worried about the adaptation of it as a film because I was worried that there would be a need to overly make it overly dramatic mm. Um, and had you seen? Was it Alice, Alice Birch? Is that so right? So Alice Birch wrote. Yeah, because uh, yeah, we we did the wonder uh, with her. Yeah, she's amazing. So, so how, how was that? How was that adaptation process? So she had written. So a few years later, just after COVID, I got Alice's script, and she'd managed to tell the story so brilliantly, look without any fat on it at all just like their present brilliant brilliant um dialogue for actors and um it was so exciting and so when i got asked if i wanted to do it i was like yeah please yeah please and immediately found myself like pulling pictures and writing and um and kind of being inspired by both the book and both what alice had done and then alice and i worked together for a bit prior to just de- redeveloping the film further. So what were some of your inputs, maybe, or areas where you wanted to tweak the vision so that it, it was more personal to you? I think um, I, I felt, I think probably, uh, I, I didn't want it to feel too bleak. Mm. So I wanted to have this kind of feeling of hope running through it so despite what's going on the actual focus is on this child and so that there was a kind of there was a kind of line of hope running through Mm. and humor as well making sure that that was really present yeah and I because I think a lot of being a parent is ridiculous and like those kind of you know when you're I remember with my my first kid I I was like on my own for a bit because my partner was away shooting and um and I I just remember just talking to my kid as though he were an adult. He was like three months old. And I'm like, you know, I think I told him the whole of the story of Oliver Twist, you know, oh, right, like, okay. and I, which, you know, and so, you know, things like that. So we put in Greece and that kind of, you know, when you're alone with a baby, it's the only other companion and that yeah. kind of very specific dialogue, uh, dialogue that you mm. can have. And then what else? I think, I mean, I think it all happened quite organically. I think, you know, Alice is a sort of a like, master collaborator yeah. as well as a master writer in her own right. Um, and, yeah, and so kind of a lot of things, we kind of inspired each other, yeah. you know, and she's got this really good taste. You know, her taste is really incomparable. Um, T- taste is such a big, big thing, especially when you're doing a sort of a co-writing piece because, you know, as you say, you almost become two minds that are, 
you know, ping-ponging backwards and forwards and it just, it, it sort of keeps going up on and on and becoming this new sort of wonderful thing. But, yeah. but if the two people don't agree on the tone even or the kind of dialogue or which direction the characters are going, it, it can be a really difficult sort of co-writing process. So like taste is such a vital part of the, you know, the process. And respect for each other's and taste. Respect, of course, yeah. I think that's, like, I really respected Alice's taste and take on the world and I felt the similarly from her I felt like she had it for me um and so it became it became pretty organic and you know I left her alone like she would go and then come back with something that was much better than I could ever imagine you know she has this quality to her um ability to do that um yeah so it felt it felt quite natural the whole process um, and we all had to change the script because of budget and other th- elements like okay. that, you know, that that informed how we could manoeuvre through the story. So, um, so what were some of the creative choices that were affected by budget? Like, how did you find those challenges and, and work out compromises that worked really well? Because, I mean, it, it still feels like a very expansive film, like especially the, Lon- the London sections feel like very big and mm. they feel very... Um, they feel very like well polished actually like mm. you know for sci-fi can be very you know get it wrong very easily yeah um and then you've got the remoteness of the kind of the outer sort of countryside stuff and the the coast and the island i think in the most part we kind of were trying to keep a sort of an emotional truth running through the the scale of it as well so does that make sense so when we see london later it's coming from a place from jody's point of view yes yeah, so yeah, sure, yeah. Where, you know when her mind is in the right space to see it like that yeah. we can see it like that so it never felt i didn't want anything that felt like just put in for the sake of it mm. you know um yeah so like not endless uh, establishing shots and let's show a, a massive disaster yeah this this was the kind of the frame uh, in which yeah so someone's, someone's at the door, at the door. Yep. hello hello Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. That'll be my coffee. So, there we are. <laughs> <Your> coffee. <laughs> sorry. That's all right. Like seventh cup of the morning. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. They do, um, good, they do good coffee at the Corinthian. I, yeah, I mean, this place is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Mm. With the with the strange levitating. Uh, <laughs> no, I did. I do miss the bed. <laughs> There's no bed, and I do miss it because I just feel like oh, you could just like sit down and relax. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where were we? We were talking. Oh yeah, yeah. About so so um, not having unnecessary visual stuff from a budget perspective, but also keeping the emotional truth. Yeah, I think it wasn't. That also wasn't just a budget thing. I think that mm. was very much within the 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 mode of storytelling from the get go. Um, but but the way in which we allowed for it to kind of open out into the world was always mm. from her. And then it didn't feel like we were sort of tacking it on for the sake of it, and so that you keep this internal through line kind Mm. of rooted there i think as soon as if we broke out of it too much we would feel the kind of the handiwork of of the genre of a particular genre yeah i mean i I think one of the things that i found really well done about the film as well in this in this territory is that you you don't show everything about this natural disaster you keep it out of mind and in some films it feels like things have been left out because they've cut a scene or just been like let's just cut this because it it costs too much or you know poor storytelling Mm. in your one it feels very deliberate that it actually adds to the mystery and this really personal journey that they're both going on where they don't know what's going on in the larger picture Mm. and it feels like you've done an excellent job of showing just enough 
of the world building whilst not kind of focusing too much on actually i suppose it would it would lower the the tension by seeing the sort of the wider picture of what what's going on yeah i think this it, it, you know i had I just had a kid through the kind of lockdown with covid and i yeah. felt this you know there was so much going on in the world yet i just had this baby and that was my main focus and yeah. and the pressure from outside felt huge you mm. know what were we doing the right thing were we not doing the right thing all of the kind of questions around it the the fear the clapping all that and i think <clears throat> i think there was the sort of sense that we kind of bringing that now knowing what happens when something goes wrong and how you have to sort of you are just in your little pod kind of coping and going through it mm. and wanted to bring that experience to the screen um, but also there is something about if we had sort of seen like massive chaos, I think that it would have undermined the actual kind of core of the story, which is the first year of having a baby yeah. is something that yeah. completely unravels you. Yeah. You know. No, I, I agree. And I, I think it I think it works, works perfectly. And the strength of, of her bond is is so you know, apparent, especially when sort of later on in the film she gets to the island and there's the arguments of, "Oh, just stay here." And mm. but but she has this this knowing that what she has to do for, you know, the future of her, her kid, and it's it's really really sort of powerful. Mm. Um. So so how did the how did the casting process um sort of start to well actually and how did you even sort of get it made after you got this script coming to you that you started the the collaboration was oh, the yeah. was the producing team already in place? Yeah. So okay, Sunny so March, Sunny March to, were there. Okay, so let's go back to to that. How that sort of came. About. Yeah, so Sunny March were there. It was their it was their baby. That and Hera, Eliza Marshall at Hera had it. Um, oh, okay, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so they had the project, and you know, I went in to meet them, and then who else? I think BBC were on board from the get go. Okay, and then BFI came on later, and then um, Anton came on to finance, and um. Yeah, casting was hard because it, you know, it was so budget dependent. Mm. But Jodie was amazing, and she was our first, first choice, first choice, first bit of casting. Yeah. And um, I'm really pleased, actually. I kind of can't imagine this film with anyone else. Yeah, it, it is hard you know. to it's hard to sort of picture someone else in the role, no. isn't it? Now, now you've seen her in it, she's no. so so incredibly good. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and Joel Joel Fry as well. Joel Fry. He, he's he's really good. He's he's, a, he's just a he's an underrated gem again. Like he's yeah. A, I feel like that. I'd worked with him on Requiem before. Yes, okay, yeah. And sort of know, I sort of could see what he was capable of, and I see he's done loads of stuff as well. But, but I, I kind of knew he was. He'd always played these kind of comedic characters, but I sort of also know that he had these. Not always. He's obviously done quite a lot of Ben Wheatley and things like that. Mm. But <clears throat> I think he's synonymous with comedy. Um, but I, but he has this these great depths, and he's a very present actor he's quite aware of everything he's got the capacity to sort of feel out everything and really brilliant at improvisation um which there wasn't like tons of but there were kind of it helped with moments of spontaneity even between takes and things like that to have that presence Hmm. um yeah he's wonderful and and we did a chemistry read between jody and joel and it sort of came alive really quickly you can kind of feel the humanity sort of brewing that the fears of being a parent all of those kind of layers that are quite hard to pull off within the text were was really there the vulnerability but also the kind of the boldness and the um 
all the qualities you, you would feel for a brand new parent at the very beginning mm. before you know anything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and that you know came from, came away from that feeling really excited about a cast in the year. So, so how did you? Um, what was the process of of getting them casted? Was it just okay? We're going to send them the script. We've got a great team. We've got a great producer. Mm. I've here's my body of work. Or were there kind of? Did you write like a personalised letter to them? I would write letters. I think because they're they're a tricky one to get right. Like how, how long is the letter? How much detail do you go into? Because you want it to, to feel personal, but also not waffly and overselling. Um, yeah, you know the the, it's the, a the very want for them in a role. Thing. It you is, know, isn't it? You yeah. know, I can't write a letter. It's like a letter to Santa, isn't it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> Please, sir. <laughs> um, be in my film. <laughs> be in my movie. Um, I can't um, write le- letters to people unless I feel it. And yes. I, you know, I have been asked to do that in the past and mm. it, it can't do it. Um, I think it has to come from the heart in some way and be quite honest yeah. as well. And... Yeah, I hate doing them because I would love much prefer just to have a a chat, know, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's the problem is you, you you can't you can't just go in and say, "Can I have a chat with the actor and, and convince them casually over it?" Because you you have to. No, and I fair enough. Yeah, like fair there's enough. so much yeah. floating about and everyone's really busy, so I get it. And I wonder if anyone reads them. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. Wonder. I don't yeah, wonder. I, don't, I do I wonder. I think it's just like if the, is is it something like the agent will not pass on the script unless there's a, yeah. <laughs> a letter there. Maybe the agent reads it. Maybe maybe maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe that's the secret. Maybe the I agent's like. I need to ask the question. Yeah, um, I've, I've tried asking a couple of actors, and I haven't really got a. One or two have said, "Oh, we just we just look at the script," but I, I don't know. I, I feel. I like believe the, that actually. Yeah. I do believe that because I think there's just something in, inherently awkward about someone begging you to be in their project. Yeah. You know, <laughs> no one wants to experience that on some level. Like just yeah. to know it's there is enough, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah, um, and and that you've taken the time to. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's from from an agent's point of view. It's like it's that they've taken the time to think about it. Yeah. And that's what they're looking at as an agent in terms of, okay, well, this person is good for the, you know, the role because they understand my actor and they have a, a, an understanding of how to work with actors and, yeah. and those kind of things. Maybe it's, maybe it's more of a test for the agent. you know what it probably is? It's probably just to see that it's just not financiers desperate for a certain name yes. and that actually it's coming from a yeah. true place. Yeah. Because I think you could see that happening, couldn't you? If yeah. you could just like get an actor without any director involvement everyone would you yeah. know be like oh this is this is this many points on whatever yeah. scale that you know seems in completely uh um un, unimportant in in reality but do, do, um, you, do you find that as a, as a difficult thing to navigate because i mean I, I feel like the you know the actor or actress in, in a film is, is is just as important to be right for how you see the film as it is for them to be a good actor or actress like because it, it's you know it's a, it's a personal script mm. it's something that you're that's embodying your feelings therefore you have to have an actor that is doing the same thing and often you're thrown these names okay go with this person go with that person like i always like internalizing um actors especially for drama is is so important i, I think um and there's certain actors that maybe don't do that so much mm. um which i i would think would be doing the, the script a disservice and actually a commercial disservice if that, mm. if that makes sense do you, do you have any of those kind of struggles or have you in your in your career well with this not so not much. with this one obviously no no <laughs> but no honestly not with this one because 
you know, it's an independent project. There's barely any money in it. Everyone was working for next to nothing. And, and, um, and, and it's not like, it's a very particular kind of movie. You know, mm. it's, it's got scale, but it's definitely, in, you know, internal scale. And, <clears throat> and I think anyone who came on board did it for the love of cinema, you yeah. know, more than anything else. So I was quite lucky in that yeah. I had absolutely no assholes. You know, I yeah. had, everyone was there. Yeah to make something not together. even one <laughs> not even one i honestly didn't and um you know i was very lucky on that front you know and i think it's probably the nature of the project that sort of kind of would sieve out anyone who, yeah who wasn't right um but um but yeah i think there is a kind of push and pull in getting a film finance between you know ridiculous names that mm. might not be right um but at the same time i imagine you know there's a there's, I think, I've, I quite like the unexpected, and you could kind of imagine, all right, this is an odd casting, but actually, give it a moment just before I kind of poo-poo it out the door. Give it a moment. Often it would be like absolutely yeah. wrong, absolutely wrong. But you have to give it a second yeah. because you have to know, you have to feel out whether they could, it could be really interesting for mm. that particular actor to do something. Yeah, I mean, being being open-minded and seeing someone that's done snippets of something and then the first time they do it as soon as you see it it's, it's immediately obvious oh they could always do that yeah. but until you see it it's quite hard to you know get into that space but i suppose it's it's the open-mindedness that i had key. one like i had a fight i'm not going to go into it, yeah, uh, sure. on one project and the producer was amazing in the end because it was quite a big fight between the financier it was for television mm. between the financier and me and there was a sort of sense that it should be a kind of slightly more bigger profile actor but who wasn't the right heritage and a lot of different issues with that um and they were coming from a really kind of different perspective and it would have made a difference made perhaps to the selling of the project and things like that which I could completely understand but at the same time I knew the particular story was telling it had to be yeah it had to be right it it really had to be right and the producer turned around and was like you know I'm a producer, not a director. I'm going to say, tell you why you need to do all this, but I'll, you know, make sure that you can choose exactly what you want because that's my job. And I was, you know, and that producer is an amazing producer. And I was, I just felt so like respected in that yeah. moment. And I, and I knew it was right. Like sometimes if I, if I had any doubts at all, I would be listening more, but I knew and uh, yeah. yeah. And it was the right call. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's a, maybe there's a reputation that sometimes directors are, uh, can be flippant and it's, Oh, I, I want this person or, or I want that. But I think if you care about the source material, a lot of these decisions really come from wanting to make a film that feels real. Uh, yeah. and, and it's, it's from that place. It's from a good place. It's not from a, um, a commercial, sort of naivety or or fighting back yeah and absolutely you want your film to be seen Mm. or your project to be seen and to be embraced and it is much easier with certain people and also you know your budget is so dependent on that and that's what i discovered with indie film it's entirely independent on that sort of thing which i is is a challenge you know yeah so what was the what was the preparation point you've got the you've got the actors involved what's your sort of casting the hod's mm-hmm. um do you do mood boards do you do sort of pitch decks like talk, let's talk about that and the whole world building and how you yeah. chose to shoot it so it kind of so with this particular project there's always a different i find i have different processes 
for each project with this one it sort of fell out of me quite quickly and I pulled together quite a lot of images mood boards from life and from you know references that I found really exciting and um and pulled it together and sort of broke down the film in stages um and 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 sort of had a journey within the language that would be kind of we'd follow through for that and um and that ended up being something I would look back to and everybody had. Um, and then I would do for, for myself mainly and then I'd share it if it felt important for every day. I would either pull some of the same images or find other things for each scene, separate scene, and then write what the scene is about, the feeling of the scene. And just sort of as a kind of, because it's quite, mm. we were running on quite a quick schedule so I just needed to find like what's the gut what's the gut of each thing and so that I could all the smell of it and so I could go back and go is this smelling right you know is what we're doing right it doesn't feel like the thing that I set out to do Mm. and that's basically and then obviously we kind of shot list me and Susie Lavelle would shot list but so you know a lot of that had to you know we were we had there were things that weren't controllable on this which was so different from everything i'd done before because of the babies you know yes yeah um well i mean let's just talk about the logistics of the babies for for a second Mm. for people that are trying to shoot movies with babies like that you can't shoot very long i'm guessing no Uh, it's like 20 minutes a hit 20 minutes a hit okay so you've got to be like very well set up Mm -hmm. not having the camera doing something complicated that is going to go wrong maybe or yeah i think if we were doing something that was a little bit um like larger with camera work that yeah. would we would probably use a fake baby uh and not make yes. it completely sure. visible but um yeah but it, but it kind of added an intimacy to the whole thing mm. because we always wanted to capture the baby if the baby was on set you know um we had a kind of rotating baby system baby system we how did. many how many babies did you, did you use um i think it was about seven in the end okay but yeah. um but we, you know, because the baby ages, it's running through a year, yes. so it kind of moves through. Um, and yeah, it's interesting. You have to have chaperones. Yes, who yeah. are like I've discovered are amazing and yeah. brilliant contortionists. They get into the smallest of spaces, uh, okay. yeah, so they yeah, can yeah. be there. So any car scene with a baby, the chaperone is generally on the floor. Mm. by the baby (laughs) you know as you you can like on camera but out of shot there is a chaperone somewhere near that baby which is amazing i'm gonna be seeing that every time i I watch a baby now yeah but they're there and they're really uh, they're a massive part of it because they also have a real sense of the the feelings of the child and whether they're going to be in a good mood oh i think it needs a feed this was a good time to get crying you've got 20 minutes before that needs to go and get a feed now now would be good things like that um, but yeah, it had a massive impact on our shooting schedule. And also because it's essentially a road movie, we're kind of moving all the time. We, you know, that makes it always challenging when you're shooting anyway, you know, because yeah. you're having to move constantly. There's no kind of stability at yeah. the center. Yeah. Um, so we had to be on our feet, quite on, like on our toes. We're always on our feet, but on our toes quite a bit. Um, and that yeah. made us kind of, it, we had to kind of get into a pattern of rethinking things and re being quite organic and in tune i found myself trying to be as present as i could possibly be that was my thing just be really listening to the actor listening to the actors listening to the performance be present looking at what we're doing and then responding accordingly which is slightly different to what i would usually do 
what would you usually do? I plan a lot. Like, oh, okay, you know, sure, like yeah. I'd have a lot yeah. of storyboards and I'd be sort of, yeah. it would be a different thing. Whereas this one had to be organic. And it does feel organic and it feels very, very just real and, mm. and lived in. And, and I suppose for the actors, it's very organic as well. When they've, they've got a baby, they have to acclimatize and, and get to get to know each other as well. And, and that, that's something that you don't ever question. Yeah, uh, so that, that part's, that part's obviously done very well. They, they, it was amazing what the babies brought to each scene, actually, mm. in terms of the performances and the feeling that, that it would just change the nature of the scene. If a baby like made a noise, they yeah. would respond or, yeah. uh, you know, being able to kind of improvise a little bit with the child yeah, really when the nice. baby's not can't, meant to be asleep and not asleep. And it's like, can you go to sleep now, please? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was very yeah. real. Well, it, it, gives, it gives the actors <laughs> an active goal, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a constant... Um, I can't remember what it was. It was. I saw. I saw something, and um, someone was offering blueberries to the other actors in a, in a set, and it was just just by giving them something to to do, mm. it, it then changes the the whole the whole recipe, and it just becomes a, a thing. Yeah. Um. So, can we talk a little bit about the the cinematography and how you decided to put that together, that collaboration mm-hmm. as well? Well, I um, Susie's you know phenomenal cinematographer. And she's shot a lot on film as well. And I knew I wanted to shoot this on film. I usually work with a cinematographer called Chloe Thompson. Okay. Um, but she was having a baby, oh. you know, hilariously <laughs> enough. So it was a kind of a new experience for me. And Susie is like, she's just got a naturalism to her. That's just, she kind of like lives and breathes naturalism, which worked really, really well. Mm. Um, and her lighting is extraordinary. Just the kind of the beauty of it and the simplicity of it. This un, un, really unfussy. Um, it, yeah, yeah, she's wicked. Yeah. And what about the other sort of departments, like the, the so set design? And- Laura Ellis Cricks, I had actually worked with for a long time. So we hadn't worked with each other for, like, for a long time, actually, but we, we went to uh, art school and she was actually like gave me my first ever job. She was working in a fashion company and she may, asked me to make a film. I, like she was like, she I kind of pitched a job and she gave me my first job. Wow. And then we, we uh, so quite formative for you in a way. Yeah, completely. And then we ended up using that money to go on holiday because we didn't have, you know, it's the first time we got some money. It's going on. We ended up going yeah. on holiday together and like creating, inventing loads more films. Then we started just making loads of shorts together and she ended up studying, um, production design at um, National Film School and I would always wanted to go and she was like why aren't you applying mm. to film school and so I applied so as a result we, so we'd worked together for a while and That's then good, after yeah. film school we, we'd done Ellen together but we hadn't done the most recent stuff so it's been a, a while yeah and um yeah she came back on to make this with me was was there any scenes or, or sequences that in particular that were really challenging in terms of how you shot them maybe sort of the more stunty type yeah actiony stuff i mean so we had it was like obviously we, we had the challenge of making the world flood without spending shit loads of money yeah and um one of the re- one of the things that i had really wanted to do is equate the flood with the birth and make sure that the two things felt kind of in it mm. you know you couldn't they were the same thing um and you know, and Laura managed to pull off pull it off. We couldn't flood the house, so she built a a, a portion of the house to. Oh, the water seeps in. So, yeah. so the water seeps in. That is the house. We put a bit of liner on and just okay. had it like it was literally cups of water. Yeah, sure. But when the um, when it floods through the window, 
we we built a mini set and like oh, for half a day at the end of the shoot and um got a truck to pour water through the windows of this tiny set um and for me that was just like it was just she had to work on that whilst I was shooting and just make sure that happened and you know it was like oh we're actually doing it thank god (laughs) you know at the end I was so happy so that was a challenge because it was there was a you know could we do that could we actually um afford to do it Mm. all of these things were kind of up in the air for a point and I think what else was um in terms of design I think it was also how much of the world do we see what do we see in the world one thing I wanted to do was show like the kind of farmland being you know that kind of I'd seen a picture of sheep on an island in a farm and this kind of idea of and so we did a tiny new blink and you miss it but it's there just Mm. this kind of feeling that it's there but you don't we're not focusing on it yeah um yeah I think all of that just world building subtly subtle world building that we did I thought the I thought the way that you did the um the water first coming into the house was actually one of the most effective um parts of the whole film like it it, it felt so original mm, um, and, and also really terrifying because it, it you know first of all you're looking at it from your her perspective as well which is which is brilliant and it, it seems like a trickle like, oh no we've got something wrong with the house and then suddenly it's this kind of oh oh shit <laughs> yeah. you know there's a massive flood going on so it was um you know really expertly sort of put together thank you so in terms of the the editing and the post-production was there any pickups that you needed or anything that maybe after you got into the edit you thought this might enhance the story and um might sort of improve or maybe we don't need this anymore any yeah. of those kind of moments i think actually we've got pretty much all the material in the film great yeah well, that, that, that's good that's good, <laughs> good, good, good like, sort of, good i mean it for, wasn't for we didn't have loads you know because yeah. you know it was a 30 day shoot with a baby in almost every scene so you know we had everything i can't think of anything that's completely maybe like slightly longer moments is it like a, there's a moment between Joel and Jodie in the cafe where part of me is like, oh, I'd love that to yeah. run longer, but it just couldn't hold in that place, yeah. you know. Um, but um, in terms of pickups, no, not for story. We, in the end, we actually had to get a couple more baby shots. Okay, yeah. So we got a baby in a studio for half a day and, you know, picked off a couple of things yeah. that, that you know, because of angles and because of timings we needed yeah, to get. Sure. But I'm, um, you know, I, I, you know, everyone was like, you know, when you um, set, I always think about the pickups. Yeah. But I knew on a, we were never going to get them, so yeah, it was yeah. so frustrating. Everyone was like, "It's fine, you'll get pickups." I'm yeah. not going to get pickups, so we had to yeah. fight to get what we got. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. always have to plan as if you can't get the pickups, but then also in the back of your mind, you have to, if you need to get pickups, you should always go go back if it's going to improve the the film. Uh, yeah, just but even actually, for little bits because they can make such a big difference. They can make such a difference, and actually, I would love to pick ups one day. Yeah, <laughs> I would love them. Yeah, well, maybe the next one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, so in terms of um, the music, uh, how was that process for you? In terms of, oh yeah, was, Anna it, was it early on or was it? In yeah, the edit? so I I knew pretty early that I wanted Anna to do the music for this um because I just loved the quality of her work and I felt that we needed something that felt quite um bigger because we were going to go so intimate we needed music that could feel bigger like a bigger world and bolder and and not make it too introspective I wanted it to be intimate but not too introspective you know that that there was something other at play um, and um, yeah, but we we started working in post, and she would deliver bits and bobs to us, and we would start to cut with that. 
and then it kind of grew organically you know we wanted to work with I, I was kind of interested in an acoustic instrument and so she went with flute and sampled every quality of flute whether it's the tap or the sound or oh, wow, she kind okay. of built a lot out of this flute sound and then added cello in later um she's just a, such a brilliant collaborator as well and she's got this kind of she sees music in a wholly different way to a lot of people and it's really inspiring to be about yeah definitely felt like a very original soundtrack mm-hmm. so um just jumping back um to how you got started in film because it, it's nice for filmmakers to hear mm-hmm. sort of what your origins are what was what was it that first got you into film and how did that journey begin i mean i think for me it was like I, i'd been taking photos f- since i was seven. Oh, okay so i like had an slr ca- i got given an slr camera shoot Great. taking lots of pics i've got loads of primary school pictures with it and i started i was lucky in that I, there was a, we made a dark room in the bathroom and i processed them and so i had this lovely feeling for that but then i was always i wanted to be an actress for a bit you know okay. as yeah. a kid so i did national youth theater and things like that and then got stage fright and realized quite quickly that that was not for me and that yeah. and that all my um and that i actually really like telling stories and that this kind of medium between photography and drama and these kind of the ways through that felt like it felt like film very quickly for me mm-hmm. and i went to art school and studied fine art film yep um And I did a lot of, I actually did a lot of animation there and did a lot of moving camera animation and sort of exploring kind of, yeah. The visual, the visual world. The visual world. Yeah. Um, and actually kind of like putting two things that don't fit together. What do that, do, does that make you feel? You know, all of oh, that yeah. sort of yeah, thing, yeah. all that kind of experimentation. Position stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, then, and then after that, I was so broke. <laughs> like, you know, like, you know, never, never studied fine art. No, no, I'm joking. Yeah. But, um, but I knew I wanted to direct and I was teaching filmmaking to um, students like at school, um, some with behavioral difficulties and things like that. And at the same time, any money I got, I would make shorts. Right. And that's where your shorts sort of yeah short, and then I be- did quite a few shorts I made you? lots of shorts yeah I made lots and lots some you'll never know about but I did I was making like 20 pound shorts 50 pound yeah. shorts whatever I could make which I think you should do like especially when you're really starting out like just doesn't matter how good they are like they, they could be great they could be very minimal they could be big yeah. but it doesn't matter whether you fail or, or whether you succeed it's, it's getting that sort of that experience in so that when you do something with a bigger crew um you know you, you're hitting the ground running yeah um so what was what was when did that change from making shorts to your first sort of mini mini series breaks how did you make that leap and was so it tough? I went to film school firstly yeah. so I like I think I'd made a short for like a hundred quid as opposed to yes. 20 quid and um that um I, I took it to, to I took it to like a short filmmaking workshop where where someone a programmer would look at the short. I'd never sent my films to any festivals because okay. I was I had this stupid feeling that they were terrible, which I sort of you know I always feel that everything I make is terrible, so I never showed anybody. But I let I showed it to this short film programmer, who's Philip Olson, and he was like, "You, there's something here." Great. And yeah. that like little bit of there's something here just built a little bit of confidence in me, and then I um you know I eventually applied to film school. And that film school, I made a film called Volume, yes, which did quite well, and it went to Sundance and other festivals, and it won a Biffa, and like, and that, and that opened a massive amount of doors for me. Yeah, 
and I think I mean Sundance is is massive. I mean Biffa's pretty good, but yeah. Sundance is like a it's a big thing, isn't it? Yeah, it was like to be selected there was a big, and it's my first time in America, and but not only that in the UK, I think I got like I got to meet a lot of people and mm. like who have you know th- throughout these years of making stuff have been pretty supportive you know and I was then I was in with film for developing a feature that yeah. we didn't get made and okay and uh yeah and then I was broke you know okay so, really, you, so really after, broke. after that moment of sort of peak success at, at, at Sundance there was also a, a trough because it's a massive trough I mean so many people go go through it but you never hear you all you hear is just the IMDB credits and yeah. the success story and you think okay well She's made. She's made short. She's gone to Sundance, and now she's doing a, a fantastic film with Jodie Comer. And you don't see all the the, the downs. And, it's a big long period between, between there. So yeah, yeah, there was a film we kind of like did four years of development on oh, that was like our baby, time, but yeah. for what it never quite came together. And then and then I got pregnant, and I needed to earn money, and I yeah. and then I walked into the door of this coming up, this kind of coming up thing. Um, which is a program that Channel Four were doing to make uh, your first piece of TV. Yeah, and I got given the chance to make like a ninety-minute TV film called right. Ellen. Oh yes, yeah. Which okay. was that, and then that was great because we won a couple of Baftas, and it was like a a yeah. really, and it helped me to get more television from there. But I really, I always wanted to make film. Yes, that was where my heart was. Um, but I've had like it's such a yeah, lot, lots of ups and downs. Uh, lots of ups and downs with that. So I'm like, it's, it's just amazing. Anyone who makes a movie is a fucking sorry. Yeah, is 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 courageous. It's for, courageous. For sure. Yeah. 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 So so um yeah, I mean it, it's it's very inspiring to hear, and, and you know you've made an incredible film with the end we start from. Thank you. Um, could you give some advice maybe to someone starting out or? struggling or in the middle of that difficult part of the journey there are so many difficult parts of the journey they're like unbelievable when yeah. even when it's going well it's difficult I, but i would say um learn i mean the whole thing the thing that's kept me going is that it feels like every part of the process of making of becoming a director or making story or writing story has been the joy of it has been discovering something Um, like discovering something new about yourself or about the process of the work and and I think that if that can be the kind of educational element of it can stay alive then it's all interesting even when it feels like it's not working yeah it's still interesting and um yeah and in in terms of like financially that is that is the difficulty if you don't have anything to fall back on which a lot of us don't that's when it gets difficult but then reach out I think and hopefully some sometimes people catch you in those moments yeah. and I suppose the stuff that doesn't work is is still valuable as a, as a learning it's so I mean yeah. like the amount of terrible things I've made in order to try and get better yeah. it's been it's, it's what what builds you yeah definitely. yeah well thank you very much for joining thank uh, it's you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much good luck with the film thank you there we go that was Dom and Mahalia chatting all about the end we start from. That was great. Congrats, Dom. Thank Another you. Another s- yeah. cracking interview. You've got all year for some of these ones you've done so far to make the top ten. Yes. At the end it's of gonna the be year. A, it's going to be um, a, a fiercely contested uh, Christmas quiz again. The end, I think. <laughs> yes, it will in 2020, end of 2024. Um, yeah, Mahali is amazing. Mm. That was just so insightful, so interesting. I loved what she was saying. Yep. you know about how you can do it and she's just been very honest <laughs> about filmmaking in general yeah 
I thought that was great. Now you've been flooded with knowledge. <laughs> uh, yeah, and interesting you talked about the score as well, which is, you know, we, oh, we yeah, don't yeah. talk as much about the score as we should. I just saw it on the promo, um, you know, it's like some, some social media and like, you know, I'd almost forgotten just how good and haunting the score is. Like, it's a real like, you know, it gets under your skin in, in a good way, in like a really like thoughtful feely way yes a thoughtful <laughs> feely way quote by shit, Don shit explanation but <laughs> it, it's all good we understood what you meant emotional roller coaster we've gone there we go. there we go an emotional roller coaster by Anna Meredith the composer yep. um, absolutely we'll wonderful put that on our website there we go the only stop <laughs> Put, put that on you. Put that on your poster, Marley. Emotional roller coaster, Dom, the filmmaker podcast. It, it, Certified idiot. <laughs> certified idiot. Please don't put the filmmakers podcast as a quote. Put Dom Lamar, certified idiot. Uh, that would be much better. Uh, amazing work, Dom. Well done. Thank uh, you. Listen, Tuesday. It looks like we have Matthew Vaughan. There's, there's no proof of this yet because we haven't recorded it. But apparently. We have the legend that is Matthew Vaughan joining us to talk about Argyle. Thanks, Cole Gowdy, for setting that up. Mm. Um, and apparently Matthew's very excited to talk to us. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's the word no, that, that came was, back. That's what happened. That was a surreal, that's a real email to receive. <laughs> Yeah, it was. Matthew Vaughan is very much looking forward to chatting with you guys, apparently. So, yes, excellent. So that should be fun. He's amazing. Don't don't blame him. I don't blame him either, especially after this episode. Um, Right, until next Tuesday, when Matthew Vaughan might be joining us, um, then go out there and do something about your career. Do something about going out there and making your film, your TV, your documentary, your Instagram post, (laughs) whatever it is. Go do it with pride and happiness Mm. and if you're lucky enough to ride up and do well it is your duty to ride up you said ride up didn't you instead of rise up I did Uh, well maybe ride ride the elevator back down (laughs) press all the buttons on the elevator uh, and then get out (laughs) but don't flood the choke there we go the end we start from out in cinemas now go watch it it's eight till till next Tuesday everyone take care bye Dom bye 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 everyone (laughs) 